Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So we're starting a series in 1 Corinthians, and as, I, as we begin, I want to give you a little background to why the book was written. The book of, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul who was addressing different hot topics that were happening in the church. Do you know that the church is not perfect? Do you know that there's difficulties in the church? Maybe you were one of those difficulties. I'm just teasing. We've all been in those places. In fact, most pastors don't even really want to do a sermon series on 1 Corinthians. Because all it really kind of talks about is difficulties and troubles and and struggles. And why would you pick Pastor Tom the book of 1 Corinthians to do a series on. Because, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my life is that sometimes I don't have to learn by making my own mistakes. I can learn from other people's mistakes. One of the best schools of knowledge is not necessarily having to do your own mistakes. It's saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to do that because I recognize that was a mistake. When I was raising my kids, I didn't want them just to learn from the success that I had in life. I really wanted them to learn also from my failures. Uh, when I was growing up as a kid, um, you know what? I learned some wonderful things that my dad and my mom taught me, but I also learned from some things that they had failures in and they were open about. And see, the book of 1 Corinthians is the, is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth with their difficulties and struggles and said, you know what? I'm going to share some things with you, and you need to understand that you need to gird yourself up, you need to get back to God's Word, you need to put your focus back on Jesus, and I can learn from 1 Corinthians. The entire Bible is there for a purpose, right? Amen? And so we can't just take our our favorite scriptures or our favorite books. Let's dive in and look at what God is trying to share with us through Paul's letter to the Corinthian people. The The the. The book of 1 Corinthians, like I shared with you earlier, deals with difficulties and conflicts in the church. And for a moment, I'm going to reference Acts chapter 18, and I encourage you maybe sometime today to go to to Acts chapter 18, the first half of it, and read that. I'm going to summarize it today just for the sake of time. But Acts 18 is where the Apostle Paul, it gives us the the story, it gives us the information about the Apostle Paul planting the church in Corinth. It's where he goes to Corinth, and so you can take Acts 18 and learn a lot about the Corinthian church. So I share that with you. Paul left Athens, Greece, and traveled to Corinth, Greece. This is during his second missionary journey, which is only about 50 miles away. When he arrived in Corinth, he met a Jewish couple there named Aquila and Priscilla, and they were tent makers, and they were Jewish, and they they formed a bond, and they started traveling together, and they started doing ministry together. It was really cool because the Apostle Paul was also Jewish. He was also a tent maker. Every Sabbath day, Paul would go into the synagogue in Corinth. And he would share, which his synagogue would be like a church. He'd go there, and he would share the good news of Jesus Christ. He would share about how Jesus died on the cross for our sins, how he was resurrected on the third day, and that we can have new life through Jesus Christ. And he would share that with the synagogue. Now, a lot of the Jewish people, they didn't believe the Apostle Paul. They, in fact, actually were the opposite of that. They started to ridicule him and, and insult him. And eventually what would take place in that whole scenario, because he was preaching both to the Jews and to the Greeks, Paul was, 
Eventually, he just, he, 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 when, because of the people that were the rejections, they hurled insults at him. It says in Scripture that he basically shook the dust off of his clothes and declared them that he, that he was innocent of their blood. Meaning this, that he was innocent of their fate. He did everything possible to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And the Jewish people at that point were rejecting him. So he said, I'm innocent of their fate. And he continues to preach to the Gentiles, to the Greeks there in Corinth. Paul spends 18 months in Corinth sharing the gospel. And one of the things that's really cool, as you kind of discover about what Paul is ha- what's happening with Paul's life, is that Paul had been given a vision not to stop sharing the good news in Corinth. Sometimes as ministers, sometimes maybe for you and I, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe at your workplace, you get tired of sharing the good news. You go, man, people keep... Re-. Paul receives a vision from the Lord. He says, but don't stop. I want you to keep on. Listen to what the Lord tells Paul in Acts 18. He says, don't be afraid, talking to Paul, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. Don't be afraid, speak out. No one will harm, why would the Lord tell Paul no one will harm you? (laughs) Maybe because Paul's already been beaten, stoned almost to death tortured, all these different things. He's had a rough difficulty. But the Lord says, I am with you. Don't be afraid. It kind of reminds me of, of when, when the Lord tells Joshua, when he's going, taking the children of Israel into the promised land. He says, don't be afraid. He says the same words to the apostles Paul. Don't be afraid. For some of you, you need to grab a hold of that word right there. Don't be afraid. Don't allow fear to rule your life. Allow faith to rule your life. Over the next 18 months, because Paul obeyed the word of the Lord, people were saved, people were baptized, including the the leader of the synagogue, Crispus, and his family. Revival was happening in Corinth. Never underestimate what God will do with someone who is willing to obey his word. Step out in faith. When someone is saying, you know what, God, I don't see it, (laughs) but I'm just going to put my trust in you. I'm going to step out on faith and just keep on preaching your word. I'm going to step out on faith and keep on sharing about your word. The apostle Paul brought the good news of Jesus to this very idolatrous and immoral city. It was a harbor city where many ships would come in from all over the world for commercial trade. It was a city known for corruption. In Paul's day, it's interesting, it was known as Sin City. We have a Sin City, don't we? I think I lived there for like seven years. The temple of Aphrodite was in Corinth. And Aphrodite was a goddess of love. It was well known that the temple employed over catch just 1,000 prostitutes who served the traveling merchants and the wealthy residents of Corinth. So conflict between godliness and ungodliness was going to be inevitable. Anytime you bring light into darkness, guess what it does? What does light do? It exposes things. It, it exposes sin. And all of a sudden, Paul is bringing light into darkness and is exposing things. And guess what? Conflict is naturally going to happen. It's going to take place. It's a good thing. Thank you, James. It's a good thing for conflict to happen. Because you know what? We're making a difference. Something is happening in the church. 
On top of all that, in Corinth, there was many different cultures and religions that were represented in the city. It was a very diverse people group. So we shouldn't be surprised to see that after Paul left, difficulties began to arise in the church. The the Apostle Paul had addressed these difficulties. And don't ever think that ministry is perfect. It's not. It can be messy at times. The only perfect is Jesus. The only perfect in your life is Jesus. The only perfect in your home is Jesus. And that's why we got to keep our eyes on Jesus all of our, in all of our ways, in all of our life. We must keep our focus on Jesus. The Apostle Paul needed to bring their focus back to Jesus, the church in Corinth. And so this brings us to 1 Corinthians. That was just kind of a roll-up to 1 Corinthians. This letter is written three years after the Apostle Paul had been to Corinth. He had, he had ministered to Corinth. He left. He went to Ephesus. He's now actually in Ephesus. And all of a sudden, he gets this report that there's problems that are happening in the church of Corinth. And instead of going there, the Apostle Paul pins this letter to the church in Corinth. In the first three verses of his letter, Paul greets the church. And I want to read that to you today, verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians 1. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and their Lord and ours. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. There's a couple interesting things that are happening in this passage of Scripture, and and especially in these first three verses, that I just kind of want to point out to you. In Paul's introduction, he mentions a letter, in the letter, that this letter is from himself and is from his brother Sosthenes. And most likely, Sosthenes was the person that helped pen the letter or write it out, because if you know, the Apostle Paul really had poor eyesight. Usually in the back, on the last part of his letter, he would sign it himself. He'd say, this is in my own handwriting. But the rest of the letter was written by someone else. But it's interesting, this name Sosthenes is another leader that is another leader in the synagogue in Corinth. It's mentioned in Acts chapter 18, verse 17. This name is mentioned, Sosthenes. And I want to bring something together. We don't know that the Sosthenes that, that, that the Apostle Paul shares in 1 Corinthians is the same one in Acts 18. But it's really a probability that it is, because why would Paul mention that? Because how would they know who this person is unless he was from Corinth? And Paul mentions him that, hey, you know, this is the guy that's helping me pin out this letter. Now catch this, bigger picture. Sosthenes was the guy that actually, if you read Acts 18 later on today, you'll discover that he was the guy that was bringing Paul before the court. He was bringing false accusation against Paul because he didn't want him to preach. He brings this to to the court, and and Gallio at the time dismisses the whole thing. This is a little history, but it's a lot of fun, so just stay with me on this, okay? So Gallio dismisses it. This is not worthy. He was the the Caesar at the time. He said, this is not worthy of me even listening to it, and he dismisses it. But what's so cool about this whole story is at that point, Sosthenes is bringing something against the Apostle Paul. Now we find three years later that he is traveling with the Apostle Paul and he's helping him pin this letter to 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth. Talk about the amazing grace of God. 
how two people that it seems that they were opposing each other now all of a sudden are working together for one cause to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. It kind of reminds me of someone else. The Apostle Paul, who was opposing Jesus at the time, guess what? All of a sudden, something miraculous takes place, and now he's the greatest evangelist for Jesus. Never underestimate what the power of God can do in someone's life. And it's a testimony of God's grace. And I didn't want you to miss that testimony because I want us all to experience and understand the amazing grace of God. And we should desire that same thing for every person that we encounter. We want every person to encounter God's grace. And sometimes it feels like you should give up. Don't give up. Just keep pressing. Just keep pressing. Just keep pressing. Watch what the Holy Spirit can do. The other part of Paul's greeting that I love is how he calls people to who they are in Christ. Remember, Paul's writing this letter because there's division that's happening in the church. And he begins his letter by reminding them of their holiness in Christ. Verse 4 states this, the Apostle Paul writes, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Do you know in Christ Jesus you are holy? That you have the righteousness of God upon you? There's times in our lives where we can get so down on ourselves, and Paul is trying to remind them, no, no, no. You are holy because of Jesus. Paul is sharing with the believers how God's grace is a gift, and it enriches every part of your life. They just need to have the faith to believe it. Peter states it this way. The Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.3, he says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for, for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. This is pivotal for a believer to understand. Because many times we don't think we're good enough. We're not strong enough. We're not educated enough. We're not gifted enough. I didn't grow up in a Christian home like you did, Pastor Tom. You don't understand the things I'm coming from. You don't understand the difficulties, the struggles, the sins that I struggle with at times in my life. And we use this thinking as an excuse in our life, like we're just not able, we're not good enough to be able to be holy. You will never be good enough to be holy. Your holiness will never be found in self. Your holiness is only found in Jesus Christ. And I need this grace to be jumping upon you right now because so many times I think so many people are held back because they just don't think, I can't do it. By the power of his grace, you can. Both Paul and Peter remind their readers that God's grace is all that you need. It's everything that you need to live a successful, godly life. All you have to do is have faith to believe it. Do you have faith? Do you have the faith to believe? Yes, I can do this. Stop listening to the doubts in your mind. Stop listening to those things that the enemy tries to plant in your thinking. Stop listening to fearful accusations. Start believing in God's grace. It's quite an opening letter from the Apostle Paul. If you read that first section of what Paul writes, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing letter. He's lifting up the church of Corinth. Man, when, as you're reading, you're thinking, man, this is the greatest church in the world. And, and it's a, man, Corinth could be the standard for all other churches. That's not the case at all. The church in Corinth was filled with dysfunction, disorder, and immorality. 
And yet Paul says these things about the church in Corinth. That kind of messes you up. What Paul was really presenting was the amazing grace and the faithfulness of God. It wasn't so much about the people in Corinth. It was, can I remind you about who my God is? He is faithful even when you're not faithful. That even with all the problems and all the difficulties, God remains faithful to us. And God has given us access to his wonderful grace. We just have to receive it by faith. Now for some of us, this might be a hard pill to swallow. Some struggle, I'm just, I'm just sharing with you today. Just stay with me. I, thank you, James, for giving me amen here as we walk and keep walking through this. Some struggle with the thought of ungodly people receiving grace. They want people to earn their salvation through being good people and doing good works. And let me share something. There is nothing wrong with good works. The Bible talks about good works. We're supposed to feed the poor. We're supposed to try our very best to live a sinless life. We're supposed to do all those things and do, do good things. That's what, that's, what the Bible, that's what the Bible talks about. But some people are trying to earn their salvation through being good people who do good works. And maybe that's how you see salvation today. Because I'm a good person, I'll receive God's salvation. And the Bible declares that we should all do good works. But Scripture states that your salvation will never be secured through your righteousness. Your salvation is only secured through the righteousness of Christ. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 3.27. He says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Can, we, can I boast that I've done anything to be accepted by God? Listen to what he says. No. Because our, our acquittal is not based on our obeying the law or doing good works. It is based on faith. God will carry you through. And this is a word for some of you who maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're watching us online. I just want to give you this word. God will carry you through. If you put your faith in him, he will carry you through by his grace. And that's a word that we need to grab a hold of in our own lives. I want to ver- move to verse 10 where the Apostle Paul begins to address the first issue found within the church. And this is kind of where we're going to end today on this passage of Scripture. Paul writes these words, and we're going to only read verses 10 through 13 today. It goes all the way through, I think, verses 17 or 18. But I want to look at these first three verses. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you say, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. Another says, still another says, I follow Christ. And and Cephas was Peter, if you didn't. Yeah, just to clarify that. Paul says, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Was, Was I crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? See, Paul is bringing the people back to their focus to Jesus. They got, they, all of a sudden, their focus started shifting to other directions. Said, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Were you baptized in my name? 
No, no, no. Was I crucified for you? No, no, no. It's Jesus Christ. Paul is addressing an issue that's taken place in the churches of Corinth. There is division on who each person was following. Paul saw it as just, basically Paul saw it as silliness. Are we really going to argue over who is the greatest? Haven't we, you know, Paul's probably thinking about the disciples when the disciples were talking about, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus kind of thinks this whole thing is silly as well. Anytime we start playing the comparison game, I want you to catch this. Anytime we start playing the comparison game, we start bringing division into the church. Can't do it. What would happen if you started playing the comparison game in your marriage? Come on. It would end your marriage, right? It would bring division. We can't do the same thing in church. We can't do it in our homes. We're not called to do that. In Corinth, the believers are identifying themselves as followers of Paul or Peter or Paulus or Jesus. Paul basically chastises all of them. He says, are we not all followers of Jesus? Are we not all part of the body of Christ? It's concerning when we start to declare, and I'm just going to step on some things here. That's okay. Just follow along with me. It's concerning we start to declare that my church is the best church. My church is the most spiritual church. My church is the most giving church. My church is the most talented church. Fill in the blanks. It's easy to do, amen? It's easy to do because we love our church. And I can start thinking the same way, and I have to put myself in check. I love our community here at South Coast Christian. Absolutely love it. Love it. But is South Coast Christian the only church that God loves? Absolutely not. We are only one small part of the larger body of Christ. And we must never forget we are all on the same mission of bringing people to Jesus. We're all on that mission to bring people to Jesus. Yeah, I want to bring people to South Coast because I know it's a great church. Absolutely. But there's a lot of great churches out there that we want to be a part of, that we want to lift up and not hold pull pull down amen Amen. this is what was upsetting the apostle paul that this is not a competition for who is greater it's not a competition between one another instead the goal for each christian is to finish the race that god has set before us our race is to follow jesus and in doing so we defeat the plan of the enemy for our life when we follow jesus we defeat the plan of the enemy for our life we are all on jesus team can i get a man Paul writes these words. He says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that you get victory through Jesus Christ? That's the only way that you have spiritual victory is through Jesus Christ. If your Christianity is all about you or all about what you have done or all about the church that you attend, then Houston, you have a problem. Christianity is about the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul calls us to be perfectly united in mind and thought. And when I say that, how would you be perfectly united in mind and thought? Pastor Tom, how can we as an entire church be perfectly united in mind and thought when we are united with Jesus Christ? That's how we become perfectly united. 
we are called to live in unity together as one body for one purpose. And this is difficult at times because our nature wants to be in competition. Come on. Our nature just wants to compete. And that is fine, but we need to make sure, we need, we need to make sure um, that we define our competition better. Who is our adversary? It's not our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the devil and his schemes against humanity. It's not against our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the devil and his schemes against humanity. And we need to start praying in such a way that we're bringing spiritual strongholds down so that people can see Jesus. We need to fight together as the body of Christ. Not trying to lift ourselves up, but lifting the name of Jesus for all the world to see. There's no worse testimony to unbelievers than to see the church fighting against itself. There's no worse testimony. And there's saying times that I'm just sharing this because I feel like in my heart that I need to share this. I felt like the Lord was sending us to 1 Corinthians here. And I think there's some times where we see churches that are struggling. Stop complaining about those churches. Stop criticizing those churches. Start praying for those churches. Because I'm not saying there's no churches in error. If a church is not preaching the good news of Jesus... If a church is not founded on the person of Jesus Christ who died for our sins and resurrected from the dead, then we have a problem that needs to be addressed. But let's start addressing it through prayer first. Amen? Paul was appealing to churches in Corinth that we are all on the same team. Be united. Don't be divided. It's interesting in the churches in Corinth, there were probably, we think there's just one church, but most likely it was house churches all around the city. And, God, and Paul was trying to unite them. An interesting observation from this scripture is that there appears to be an authority issue that's taking place in scripture. And Paul doesn't agree with any of their conclusions. Those conclusions were, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Jesus. This wasn't just a light disagreement. There says there's real conflict that's happening and debate that's happening with the church. And it was a source of tension causing quarrels and division. The real issue happening is people were becoming more loyal. I want you to catch this. People were becoming more loyal to preachers than to the person of Jesus. There's times I've shared with you, hey, you know what? I'm your pastor, but you need to love Jesus. He's first and foremost in your life. It's like declaring your loyalty to a denomination rather than to the person of Jesus. That's a problem. Nothing wrong with denominations unless you're following a denomination over following Jesus. Paul wasn't shy. He was calling out these differences of divisions. And if you look at the text, Paul doesn't seem to be naming any of these choices as right, which is really interesting. He says, you know, they, they, he seems like they're, he's crit critical of all of them. Cause, and that's interesting because why would that be? Isn't following Jesus, remember the last one? Some say they follow Jesus. Isn't following Jesus the right choice? Come on. The answer is yes. <laughs> but I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. From my years of experience in ministry, I think Paul was referring to those who say, I only answer to Jesus. Because they don't want to answer to any other spiritual authority that God has placed over them. I think that's what Paul is talking about here. I only answer to Jesus. I've had that happen to me. Where people say, you know what? I only answer to Jesus, Pastor. I'm not going to answer to you. Okay. 
What happens in that, it's a spiritual play that elevates themselves above any, any other authority in their life. And it's a way to dismiss all authority in their lives. And that's what's happening in the church of Corinth. I follow Paul, so I follow Peter. And there's something, I just follow Jesus. I'm not going to listen to anybody's authority. And if you read your Bible, you know throughout Scripture, God works through the authority that he has given to different leaders. And we are all called to obey our leaders and submit to their authority, including godly parents. Paul is affirming in this Scripture that unity is vital to the body of Christ. It's not that we must all agree or that we can't have different opinions. We're not robots. But when we disagree or when we have differing opinions, we remain united. We remain together. It's important to realize disagreement, and this could be really good for some, maybe you're in your marriage or at your workplace. Disagreement doesn't mean that we have to be divided. In your workplace, you might be, but not in your home. There's no reason why you have to be divided. We are all following Jesus, and we're all working out our salvation. Let's not be against one another. Let's be for one another. Our ultimate goal is to follow after Jesus. In doing so, we are to be a light that shares the love of God to others. Paul was realigning the church in Corinth to put their eyes back on Jesus they had gotten their eyes off of Jesus they started looking at other things and it's easy to do in life at times but we're one body we're one mind with Jesus Christ we're not fighting amongst ourselves but we're working together to reach people for Jesus and I gotta tell you South Coast Christian I'm not preaching this message in 1 Corinthians because I think we have so many problems I, I feel like man God is doing a great move in our hearts and in our lives, and we're doing wonderful things. We're doing things that I think are so much above and beyond what we could do in the natural, that God is opening the doors and, and, and setting people free. But I'm expecting for even more. And I also know when God starts to do things, there's always something that comes in that the enemy tries to put in. And I love the book of 1 Corinthians because, you know what, it just kind of, we do have to learn from our own mistakes, we can learn from other people's mistakes. For this church, we're following Jesus Christ. Amen? So, Pastor Tom, how do I take and apply this to my own life? Because I like your messages because you bring application. Are you ready for the application? You might not like it. <clears throat> Are you causing division by talking smack about another Christian? Stop it. Are you causing division by talking negatively about another church? Stop it. Stop talking about others and start praying for them. And watch what God will do. Let's not be distracted from our purpose. Our purpose is to show people the love of Jesus. Our purpose is to be a united body of Christ that can make a difference in this world. Let's create an environment of unity where Christ can be lifted up and where all people can discover the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is powerful and it's effective. And even when words can sometimes in your scripture, they're not always easy. They're not always fluffy. They're not always the fun ones. Sometimes your word can be difficult. But thank you for the difficult words. The words that can penetrate our heart and our mind and and change us and continue to transform us 
call us to be. I thank you that you're working in our lives and that you're changing lives. If you're here today and you've just been struggling with conflict in your life, and I'm not going to ask for hands to be raised today, so don't, don't freak out. <laughs> but you know that your tendency in your heart is always to cause is to go to more of the conflict or to the gossip or to the division for whatever reason that's been kind of set in your heart and, and, and you know that God's been working in you and says no, 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 why are you doing that? Let's bring things together. Let's be the body of Christ. Be one. Maybe you've been hurt by a church and you've never been able to forgive that church. Maybe you've been hurt by another brother or sister in Christ and you've, you've struggled in forgiving that. Today I want you to be able to give that over to the Lord. I want you to be able to surrender that because God doesn't want us to be in conflict. God wants us to be with one mind in unity with Jesus. And if you're here today and that's a struggle with you, I want to pray for you today. And I want you just to really just to agree with me in your spirit because I believe God is going to do a great work in people's hearts today. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word does not bring void, but Lord God, it speaks truth. And for anybody here today that maybe has been struggling with different things in their life where maybe they've been having a hard time controlling their tongue and they're saying different things, or maybe they've been, they've been thinking negative thoughts, maybe they haven't been able to receive the grace that is so freely given. For each person with whatever the struggle might be, I pray, God, that we would learn to obey your word that we would be able to step out in faith and to know, Lord God, that first of all, that your grace is enough, that you've given us your grace and we have everything that we need to live a godly life through you. That's the first thing. And then second, Lord God, I pray for healing in people's lives where maybe there's been conflict or discouragement or hurt. I pray, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will restore those things. And for some here today, maybe, God, that means taking a step of faith and going to a friend or going to someone else and praying with them and sharing their hurt and asking for their forgiveness. God, whatever it might be in our lives, I pray, God, that we would be united as one church, one body, under your headship, Lord God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you today for your goodness and for your grace. And everyone said... Amen. God good? All the time. Is he faithful? Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.